Can you hear me crunch? Hello Unicycle Lifers and welcome to another episode of the Unicycle Life podcast. This is a very special edition because we're coming direct from Unicon. Um, As you can probably hear in the background, we're at the final party for Unicon 20 in Grenoble in France. Um, And this is also pretty different because it's the first podcast I've ever done in person with the person I'm interviewing. Um, So this week we don't have any guests. Um, and we don't have a guest a guest because <laughs> I'm sitting right next to the guest and it would be pretty pointless to do that. Um, so, hello, Phil Sanders. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, I think uh, anyone would recognize my voice immediately. It wouldn't even be, I guess, like, who is it, guys? Who is it? I guess you, you don't do it like that. You do it you like with the, the questions, though, and the texts, which is fun. I always really enjoy it. Uh, yeah, a bit easier to do that kind of online like virtually because no one can see you (laughs) that's so true i mean we just had a crazy start uh, to this podcast like you know we were looking for a place to record and you know there's been a a issue with pickpockets uh trying to get in to unicon and we're walking down looking for a place to record and we see a guy grab a bag right in front of us oh yeah go for it ed yeah, yeah, so a short chase, and uh, here we are. Yeah, it's been pretty savage, and especially this evening, it feels a bit like the whole week's come to a head, and now the pickpockets are like, now it's our last chance. Yeah, yeah, there's a big, there's a big crowd, and they're like thirsty, they're thirsty for it. They can see all the sweet bags full of probably shit they're never going to use, unicycle shit and all that. And, like, you know, I, even this week I got my phone taken, too. Someone pickpocketed my phone at Unicon. Uh, by the way, don't ever have, like, all things in your life on your phone as two-factor authentication because if your phone gets stolen, you can't get into anything. You can't check your email, you know. You can't find out information about your Airbnb. Uh, you know, you can't tell them you're, you're checking out nothing. Uh, but... It's, uh, it's been fine, and we, I feel justified that we, we caught one in the act as well. Yeah, that feels like like all the paranoia all week has kind of been worth it because I was like, oh, that guy looks like a pickpocket. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually was. Uh, you know, we had been partying uh, when my phone got stolen, but the people, they, con- they like confronted us pretty directly, and then somehow in the scuffle, because it was like a lot of us in a crowd, my phone got taken. But I, I'm almost certain the guy we stopped was le- legitimately the guy who also took my phone. Like, I'm too inebriated to say 100% for sure, but uh, you know, if I was in the court of law at, and I had to point him out in a crowd, he would have been the person I pointed out for sure. Uh, but that all being said, uh, it's been a pretty good two weeks. Uh, you know, I, I didn't do as many events, but I think I did more group rides like for street and flat and stuff like that than I have at like, any unit. Usually it's just partying the whole time. 
Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask actually. Let's, uh, we're probably painting a pretty bad picture of Unicorn here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, how, how's your Unicorn been? And especially since it's been four years since the last one, um, how, how's it been? You know, I don't know what the organizers would say, but I feel like the organization was actually some of the most incredible I, I've personally witnessed at a Unicon. I, I'd say maybe Montreal like holds first place in my brain. Uh, but this was like, you know, people will complain about like stuff starting late and stuff like that, but it just giant events always have that. that. That's not a big deal starting a little bit late. But everything was in easy to get to. The village was actually really cool. They did a lot of the big events at the village. Uh, all the places to stay how, were extremely close. There was an amazing food truck. I don't know if you ate at the food truck, Ed, but it was incredible every single day. I ate there almost every day. Yeah, uh, there was the vegan one, Gustavo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is that the one you mean? No, I mean uh, the other one too. That was, uh, you know, always serving food all the time. Oh, like, the burger one. Yeah, the burger one, yeah. But the Gustavo's was amazing too. I've never had uh, such good vegan uh, kebabs in my whole life. And I even talked to the gal. She said she like made the recipe like for her like whatever you would call it here meat substitute herself. And uh, she said it took her ten years to perfect it. Yeah, she is probably one of the most hardworking people at Unicorn this week, I think. No question. We, we went to the restaurant this evening, because um, there's a good Starvo restaurant in yeah. town, uh, and she was there, working. Oh my god. She was here all day earlier, too. Yeah. So she was just like serving us like 100,000 kebabs during the day, and then just goes right back to a restaurant, and unicycles just go there and get them as well. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, she's working the night shift now. Uh, yeah, it was pretty incredible. I can't remember the name of the food truck, and I feel bad, but like there, there was these four uh, individuals who worked at the food truck that served the burgers, and they seriously worked 12, 14-hour days every day of Unicon for two weeks. I thought there was going to be one day where they were going to be closed, maybe on Sunday, not even once. And they, they stayed late till like midnight and served food all night. And everything they made was fantastic. Like, I, they had their chicken, uh, the, I don't know what you would call it in French, but it looks like it's uh, like rolled in cornflakes. That's the only way I would describe it. And it's just amazing. So they definitely not like we do it in America, that's for sure. Yeah, I really liked how the Unicorn Village, as they call it, is kind of like all self-contained in one area. You've got like the big tent where they run all the events. Like you mentioned the food truck. They've got uh, the Mad For One shop. They've got the volunteer like food and like a chill out area. It's really nice to have all that kind of centered in one place because at quite a lot of Unicorns, you have to go away from Unicorn to get food or you have to go away from Unicorn. Like all the urban stuff has been under the tent which for, for us urban riders has been great because yeah. we've never had to go anywhere else. Um, whereas like some of the downhill stuff's been well out of the city and like the marathon and stuff. But it's been really nice to have like one focal point where if you really didn't want to, you don't have to leave it at all. Yeah, and uh, I didn't know this at the start, maybe it was obvious to everybody else, but just the trams and the buses were all included with your bracelet. So it was easy to get anywhere in Grenoble because you could just literally hop in the trams and the trams are, you know, a block away. The You know, they're just like right over the trees. And you could take them to hockey, you could, you could take them all the way to the 10K, no problem. Uh, yeah, very, it's like the perfect place and the perfect setup for a Unicon. And then of course there's the arena where they did all the freestyle, which is just literally right behind the village. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, very good setup. Nice that just, there's just food and drinks here all the time. Yeah. 
and just Unicom people are working it and selling it. Yeah. And the people who are, who are serving the beers are quite friendly and funny as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like the beer guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know the one I'm talking yeah, about. I know, I know the one you're talking about. He just, he gets halfway through the day and he doesn't even give a crap. He's like, here, what? just throw money on the table and I'll give you some beer. Just, just keep going, keep going. Uh, yeah, fun, fun, fun people uh, in the village. You know, little pickpocket heavy, but other than that, uh, you know, we just stopped one. So I think it's going to be okay for, maybe, for a little while. Yeah, amazing. And um, aside from like the organization and the venue and stuff, like let's talk about the comps, like the trials, the street and the flatland. What, what's your take on the comps? So obviously Unicorn's over now. This is the last night. How do you feel about the comps? Um, I thought trials was really fun. I thought the line, you know, I feel like sometimes you go to trials and there's like a, a very hard line where like once you get, you do your trials lines up to that point, you are not doing anymore. Not even one. You can't even attempt it. Uh, I felt like there was a nice like uh, arrangement where you could you could actually try a lot of the hard lines and maybe get stuffed up on one little part of it. But it was a good grade all the way up the hard scale. And uh, you know, I've, I've definitely been to comps where you see someone like get shut down because like they do all the beginner lines and then the next the first medium one is like just way too hard. Um, I really thought the Flatland was well done. I, you know, we were all complaining that the floor was a little wavy, but it didn't really seem to bother anyone. Yeah. Um, really fun battles. Some very, you know, I, I, we all know that Mimo Seedler obviously is an amazing rider, but I just did not expect to see him thrash so hard in Flatland and do so well. And he, uh, he got the second spot uh, next to, uh, of course, Adrian Delacroix. And it was uh, what was crazy about this Unicon too, with like the flat and the street and everything, was the crowds. There was like legit, huge crowds, and definitely not all unicyclists. Like there was like a lot of people from Grenoble who actually came to watch and cheer and watch those events, uh, which was pretty crazy. Yeah, I think that's another thing, and like another aspect of Unicon this time that's made it like a bit different to normal is like. The organizers encouraged the general public to come in so hard. And I don't know if you've noticed around the city all the adverts for Unicorn. Yeah. So like on the trams, there's adverts that come up on the screens. Yeah, there's like actual the tram like stops everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we saw them everywhere. And I think the, the biggest one was uh, trials, um, the trials finals. You know, we're like, oh, yeah, we'll go to trials finals when it's there. And we walk in and it is completely packed bottom to top tons of people obviously way more than all the unicyclists tons of people and i thought the crowd was like way way more stoked on the lady trials than even the dudes trials you know the guys trials lines are so hard that it's sometimes hard to like comprehend how hard they are yeah. but you see the girls doing hard and all those girls got tons of lines too yeah. uh they're gonna have to really turn up the the difficulty dial for women's trials in the future because they are defeating the course yeah. like in waves yeah like the way they've been live streaming the finals as well um i think has made it really really good and actually our, our airbnb host um messaged us and was like oh yeah i went to i went to like one of the comps it's amazing like our airbnb host oh wow uh, <laughs> yeah just the person that places your stand that's cool yeah um, I mean, they just made it so accessible, and again, this this location is like also just central into the town, you know. So, you know, people who are just living in are walking through, they're seeing this thing, they're coming into the village and checking it out, um, and it, it it feels like it's a very 
prominent event in the city, where sometimes it feels like unicycle events are like a weird event that's happening off to the sides of of big cities and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't know if we should say anything more about Unicorn. Uh, You know... Yeah, I, you know, I, we didn't talk about street. You know, we, we, we there was a we little skate park that's like across the way from the village, and but it's not very good. Yeah. There's like two weird rails on the ground, and then a big vert ramp. Yeah. Uh, but they built the entire street course in the village tent. Now, while the sun was incredibly hot every single day of Unicon, even the cloud cover and the rain was not relief from how blisteringly hot it was. So all the street riders are having a good time underneath the tent, meanwhile everyone else is cooking in the sun, watching, looking at This was an unavoidable problem. But they built the entire street course the day before, and uh, I would say it was, it was pretty good. It, looked, it got really used. Uh, there, was, there was features and things there for everyone to try. And I think everyone who was in the street, in the street finals, got to show off their personal skill set at some point in the comp. Yeah, I think that's like the major change in the street comp. Like, obviously, this is the new rules that we're using now. Um, And it was really nice to see a course that was built from scratch for unicyclists rather than, like you say, like just having a skate park that's already there and they kind of just add a few pallets to it, which is traditionally what what people have done. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw any of the uh, pictures from the street course at EUC Summer 2019. We did it, it was with uh, the European Juggling Convention, it was in England. And we, uh, we built a very similar course to this, to the one that they had today. Um, and we kind of tested the new rules on it. Yeah. And it was incredible. Like the, um, I think I just saw a shooting star. Like a legit shooting star just yeah. across. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> we are doing this outside, obviously. <laughs> yeah, easily distracted. Anyway, um, yeah, so like we tested the rules that they ran today, like yeah. on that. Uh, and it was incredible. Like Walt was there and his run, like sticks in my mind that like that's a standout moment from like 2019 for me oh, like Wout's run was incredible and it felt like there was a big crowd because it was at a juggling convention and there was like hundreds of jugglers watching um, and the atmosphere was like electric um, and so we were like okay yeah this is cool let's do this and so they we wrote the rules because obviously street there was like traditional street and then there was slope style um, and I don't think slope style was even in the rule book um, so we like rewrote the rules for street um, and then that's what, what they ran on today. Um, and it requires a course to be built. And like you say, there was barely anything like normal, like a, a traditional unicycle street comp. There'll be like that one weird feature that no one yeah, touches. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> weird, weird, way too high slanted pallets or something <laughs> like that. And you're like, you're looking at it and you're like, what are we supposed to do with this? Like, just ignore it, obviously. Or, or you have to, like, do your, your things and then you have to awkwardly, like, ride around that obstacle to go do other things that you can actually do. Yeah. Or, you know, this is, uh, this reminds me, uh, one of my, like, strong memories of the street comp in Montreal was, uh, you know, they had the women go and they had extra boxes and pallets for the women, but when the men went, they took those extra pallets and boxes away, and there was like two guys who couldn't even jump up the smallest mani pad. And it was so sad, because like, I wanted them to be able to do stuff, but they're like, they, I like, I like watched them see the pallets get dragged away, and they're like, wait, hold on, like, no, come on, that's what we need. And this had like lots of stuff for anyone to do at any skill level, and it was nice, because obviously some people really appreciated it, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, 
think obviously the course was built the way it was because of the shape of the tent. Yeah. Um, but I, I would really be interested in other events where we could, we could change the shape of this type of a course to be more like a, a maybe a tighter shape, but essentially a, what I've always thought is like a unicycle skate park that's actually like made to unicycle shape and size rather than like, you know, big, long, gigantic skate parks like out in the world. Yeah, I, I've lo I thought long and hard about how we can have a course where you just don't go up like, from one end to the other, turn around and go back, and then you just end up going backwards and forwards across yeah, the same yeah. course. And I don't know there's many ways to avoid that because uh, you get that it doesn't really help flow in in that way and i guess most venues you're going to be constrained by having like a, like a square or a rectangular area in which you can have the course and obviously size constraints like this time the street course was actually supposed to be outside uh, but because of the threat of rain last minute mark fabian like redrew it and redesigned it to fit inside the tent which also had a height restriction so therefore <laughs> it had to, everything had to be lower um, but actually in Nottingham, um, near where Simon Berry lives, there's a completely circular skate park. Yeah. And it's fucking perfect for riding. Because you can just ride round and round and round and round and keep hitting everything and never stop. That's pretty incredible. There's a, there's a park uh, in, near my city that's like almost like a, a figure eight shape. Yeah. And so you can kind of crisscross back and forth. But yeah, I think like... Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see options that could be made. I, th I think like something that, like that was built like a giant X with like a big feature in the middle. Yeah, could be cool where you could like yeah. you could circle back in the middle and then like use the middle parts like turn left or right and go to other obstacles stuff yeah. like that. These are these are things I've also thought about. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the big box uh, was pretty close to the roof yeah. of the tent. Uh, I don't think many people were gonna hit it, but Mimo Sealer looked like his helmet might be scraping the top of it. Yeah. And that giant, uh, like, thing that uh, Wout did. Oh, like yeah, the, the, the giant caveman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was I, I, the, one of the most unexpected tricks in the whole event, I think. Because he, 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 I really thought he was, like, jumping to go skydiving. You know, he really hucked all the way hard off. Feet were flailing in the air. And then he got that unicycle underneath him. Yeah. And it was very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Um, so yeah, that is a uh, unicorn um, and the unicorn urban events. And um, I want to talk to you, Phil, about unicycling in general and like your your unicycle journey. I hate calling it that, um, if you will, because uh, we've been riding about the same time, right? Like the roughly the same number of uh, years. The year two thousand for me. That's how long I've been riding. Okay, so you, you've been riding slightly longer than me then, because I started in like '03. Like when I like the tray flip did not exist when I started riding. Yeah. You know, I remember this like coming. You know, I don't think Universe Two was out yet. I remember seeing like on Unicycle.com the old like website. They're like, oh, get ready for Universe Two. It's coming out on DVD, not VHS like the first one. That's how how old it is. Um, yeah, someone gave me Universe One ages ago, and that's what got me into it. Uh, you know, I, the thing I enjoy doing in the most recent years is I'm just really into all my weird unicycle mods lately. You saw my weird 20-inch street unicycle with a fat trials tire, and I 3D printed the spacers. I think I made videos and stuff about this already, posted yeah. it on the internet. But, like, I was, I didn't think anyone would notice, but tons of people were like, oh, my God, what is on your unicycle? What's this thing? And everyone thought it was a 19-inch, but it's just a little a little fatter, rolls a little bit faster, stuff like that. And I think that's that's the beauty of, like, how far unicycling's come. And obviously, 
you've had to still 3D print spaces, but it's cool that 3D printers exist now, so you can do that if you want. But like, imagine having to do stuff like that back in the day, when because like my first unicycle was a trials unicycle, but I had like a cotless hub and cranks, <laughs> and it, I used to snap a pair of cranks a week, <laughs> and then I'd have to get like enough money from my paper round to buy another set of cranks from Unicycle.com, literally like every two weeks. Did they have? Torker unicycles here were those the, like the beginner ones because for for me when I was starting like Torker was like the shitty starting brand of unicycle that almost everybody had and between like 2000 and 2005 I destroyed 10 of them like I just like blowing money on shitty unicycles had no idea that you could just buy a better unicycle for like the first years and years and years and the first unicycle I got was the like not the Summit unicycle, but the real first Chris, the black Chris Home, solid steel monstrosity. Was that with the Onza KH hub and crank? No, way before that even. There was just some, just for unicycles, Chris Home steel hub that didn't even have uh, Isis or like splines. It was like these fat eight splines and had way too many pieces of metal that you had to screw down to tighten the cranks on. The cranks were giant blocks of steel that just had these fat, fat knobs, and they just chopped your ankles to pieces every time you, like, landed a little funny. I do remember those, actually. No, we didn't get talker here. We had, um, we had, like, shitty, like, Chinese, basically learner unicycles uh, with, like, with, like, and you get weird brands. So there was, like, a trials bike brand called Mission, and I don't know, they, like Mission must have just paid like this manufacturer to put their own stickers <laughs> yeah, yeah. on it. And so like my first unicycle was a Mission trials unicycle, but it wasn't like legit. It was just like some shitty unicycle with Mission stickers on it. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, yeah, I think everyone in America, you either had a, a Sun unicycle, which is like the basic shit unicycle that every bike shop carried, you know, oh, uh, and just terrible seats and all this. There's, nothing had handles at this point if you bought your first unicycle. Now if you go to the shop and buy one, a lot of the new ones have handles yeah. on them, but they didn't have anything like that. Um, I remember getting this unicycle, I'd broken so many unicycles that when I got this Chris Home unicycle, even though it was the one he rode, and you see him do hard, crazy stuff on it. I was afraid of breaking it. Uh, this is how an immature, uh, immature child learned how to unicycle. I had like a, a girlfriend in like the ninth grade or something like that, and she broke up with me. And I was like, you know, very emotional, very upset about it. And I took the unicycle to the park, and I'm like, I'm just gonna destroy this thing. I'm just gonna jump off of everything. I'm just gonna break, I, like, that's how I dealt with it. I like emotionally destroyed my possessions uh, like an immature child. And I remember like jumping off the first bench and it just took it, no problem. And I'm like, oh, that, I was like upset. I'm like crying, trying to unicycle the park. Uh, and then I'm so shocked that it, that it didn't bend or twist. I jumped off of like a bigger thing and then a bigger thing. And then I finally like rode down the staircase. I'm like, oh, maybe I can actually like learn how to do stuff on this unicycle for the first time in my entire life. And uh, that's when I started taking it like a lot more serious. Nice. So when, when you say, did you literally just get given a copy of like Universe? Uh, there, I think I was on the forums like a long time ago, a long, long time ago. Uh, and uh, I think there's, there used to be like a list or like a map of like, you, you could post like where you lived and so you, in, in the United States there was just like a list of states and I clicked on my city and there was one guy 
in my city who was registered. His name was Scott Jacobs. He still lives in Spokane. Um, he owns a coffee shop called Jacobs Java uh, that is quite popular. Um, and I, as far as I know, he never, ever, ever has ever been to events. I did see him like ride a bicycle event. Like he was like one of the people they asked to do a demo for Muni because he rides a lot of Muni now. Uh, but he rides by himself off in the woods. He doesn't come to any unicycle events. I don't. I, I rode with him this very one time, and he met me in like a park. I, I was a teenager and he was an adult, so I don't know. Maybe that was kind of weird or something like that. But we rode around. I watched him ride down the staircase for the first time, and that's when I like knew it was possible. And, and he pulls out. He's like, "Oh, have you ever seen this? It's the Universe One on VHS." And I'm like, "No." And he's like, "Yeah, it's just a unicycle movie." And I'm like, "Really?" And he gave it to me. He's like, "Yeah, you can just keep it." And I'm like, "Oh my." God, people are, people on unicycles are so nice. And I took it home and I watched it, and I watched Dan Heaton do all his stuff for the first time, and it just blew my brains right out the back of my skull. Yeah. And I, th I went straight back to like the staircase that he showed me, and I rode up to it the first time. It was like a little four stair, not very big. It was like uh, elementary school yeah. staircase, so it was like really short. And I like rode down to the first try, foot skipped off, but I didn't get hurt or anything like that. I'm like. Oh my God, it's possible. And I did it on my second try. And then I think I, from then I was just hooked, just absolutely hooked. And I was really into trials, uh, probably all the way up until 2010. I only like did jumps and trials and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and in 2010, I went to New Zealand. Um, I had like learned how to crank flip. I had learned how to uni spin, but nothing, wasn't using it or anything like that. And then I landed uh, my first double flip and my first 540 in New Zealand in 2010. And that's like, okay, I want to do street. I want to do tricks. Yeah. Nice. I can, I can remember the first time I saw someone do something amazing on a uni, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, there was these two guys that lived in the town near where I lived, and they, they were the guys that I, the first time I'd seen, like, a trials tire on a unicycle was those two guys. And I remember, like, me and my brother rode, and we were in town once, and they, like, jumped out of the school. Like, there was a school, and it was the weekend, so the school was shut. Um, and the gates were locked and like they we saw them jumping out from being inside the school and they had the unicycles and they were like oh yeah we've just been riding trials in the school and i was like these guys are so fucking cool you know there was something too about like back then you didn't like see a lot of trials unicycles so like when you saw them in the universe and you saw dan heaton riding this like crazy fat tire unicycle because you know everyone's got them now like it would yeah. be weird if someone you know people are actually going back to skinnier tires again which is funny um but when you saw them, you're like, oh, I need one of them cool, like, badass unicycles, yeah. you know, with the really fat tire. I need the grungy unicycle, you know, the one that's meant for war. And, uh, God, I was so happy when I pulled out and I saw that fat tire in that Chris Home unicycle the first time. Yeah. Oh, so satisfying. So you say you got into street, like, what, 2010, um, started running street. Um, what, who, like, who inspires your riding, would you say? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, I literally just like would watch everything on YouTube and everything on the forums because, like, man, we didn't even we even like posted unicycle stuff on like MySpace <laughs> and stuff like that for a while. Tried to meet other unicycles on MySpace, um, but uh, you know, I definitely watched all the Sean Johannesson stuff, all the Kelly Hickman stuff back in the day. Uh, God, who else was like old and riding back then? It's hard for me to even remember. It's been so long and there's been so much unicycling alcohol since then. Uh, but I just loved watching those guys. I, uh, the first time I, I went to an NAUCC was 
I think the one in South Dakota uh, in 2008, I want to say. Um, and I watched Sean Johannesson jump up and over a handrail, like over, like uh, probably an eight-stair staircase, and he like jumped up and he like late flipped and landed, and it was just absolutely effortless. He could do it in his sleep, and I. I couldn't, like, my brain couldn't even comprehend it. Like, I knew the crank flips, like, you know, you saw it in the universe too when he, like, crank flips the five stairs, something like that. But I, like, him jumping up and over the handrail and flipping in there and catching it and then dropping it, which was already, a, to my brain at the time, a humongous drop. I, it was like, I'll never be able to do that in my entire life. And uh, only, like, in 2010 when I started actually trying to do crank flips on things so like, oh, maybe, maybe it is possible, you know? And then like, you know, eight, eight more years later, I try to actually crank flip something, you know? Yeah. I remember the first time I watched Sean Jay's like Just Flip Tricks video, it went completely over my head and I, I didn't even notice what he was doing. And I was like, what the fuck is this? The guy's just like jumping. And then it was only like after the third or fourth watch, I was like, Oh my God, he's actually flipping the cranks. Like intentionally, like, he, like yeah. it's like it's like not like a, a, a side effect of the riding. It's like an intentional act. Like, and he, you know, he did all those varial tricks and stuff that were like, at the time, it seemed so far beyond what I had seen anybody else doing. Yeah. You know, and I think in America at least, we saw more like Sean Jay and like Kelly Hickman videos. But, and it took a, a while for like the Australian videos and the Cox One videos to start yeah. making their way that like to us. Because uh, I know like those were really all popular here. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if Sean Johannesson was like right in here with all the French riders, but I feel like it took a long time for me to see like Yogi and, uh, and like all those Cox One riders down in Australia back in the day. Yeah. But like, I remember like, because wasn't Loic, Loic was here yeah. at Unicon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was here this afternoon. Yeah, and, and which was crazy. I did not expect that. But, you know, he had a bunch of old videos that had so much crazy tricks. And I was like, I don't even know what they're doing. They're like, yeah. they're so wild. And God, that was just ages ago. Yeah. And to be honest, sometimes I feel like that these days when there's loads, like, like when the underflip and overflip start becoming a thing, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like... Yeah. This is like beyond my comprehension, although obviously it's a very simple concept. But I was like, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, um, I actually went riding with Maxine Peabody uh, at Unicon in 2012 oh, at Brixton. Yeah, yeah. Like we went out for a day with him and he was like showing us how to overflip. And I was like, what the fuck? This is like next level. The first time I saw Maxine Peabody tray overflip, I was like, this is one of the greatest tricks that's ever existed. Because, you know, it's literally two tricks. Yeah. Like, two tricks in the air. And I, I remember watching him do it. And, he, you know, he did it in Montreal a bunch. And it just looks amazing. That's the trick I would love to have more, like, more than anything. But I, I'm terrible at any kind of over or under flip. I s always hammer my shin so hard. Uh, and no amount of shin guards protects me from it. I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then what Pierre Sterney, he did, did he do a, a flip triple underflip, I think? Maybe it was only a double. I think it was a triple, though. Yeah, in one of his Instagram clips. And that's when I'm like, oh, my God. Like, it's not just a quad flip. It's, it's two different types of flips all in the air, and it's four rotations. Yeah. It's crazy. 
and like he's doing it on the ground like he's taking off from the ground he's not even jumping off anything yeah, to get yeah, extra yeah, airtime yeah, it's yeah. like all from the ground uh, and we saw one uh, a new one what is expected to be considered a new one in the, in the flat comp uh, Mimo did the rev triple flip yeah. Uh, it's, yeah it's still being debated a little bit it seems but we looked at the camera for a long time and it seems very clear that he he revs and then literally releases for a full triple flip for another quad variation if you will yeah yeah crazy and it it seems like i don't know i don't know what i was going to say actually because uh, i was going to say that um like there's there's bits of like the cox the cox boys back in the day uh like pioneered roles and stuff which is now obviously a central part of flatland um and then also like obviously um you got the overflips and the underflips and stuff and it all has kind of come together uh to kind of create the style that like is it's flatland now um do you think we might be seeing something like with mimo's riding um because he's i think mimo from what i can see takes a lot of influence from bmx um, and his riding's really flowy and he does lots of rail rides and grinds. Um, but he also seems so far ahead of everyone else. But maybe that's like a glimpse of what's to come. It's like almost a reflection of like sh what Sean was doing with flips back maybe like 15 years ago. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good comparison actually. Uh, because yeah, you, you watch him ride compared to everybody else and it's just like a style that is completely foreign to any other type of riding. The way he, he turns and moves, it's very, it, it, he's very literally trying to hop as little as possible until it's completely intentional. Uh, and then like, uh, honestly, just one of my favorite riders here because of all the crazy shit he does throw is uh, Clement Pujol. He, his riding reminds me of more of that classic like Cox one style. Like, I don't know, this, this is only meant as a compliment, but it's like his, his riding is like grungier looking. You know, he's just throwing fat, hard, like big tricks down stuff. And they're just still so entertaining to watch. But he's like almost like an opposite of Mimo in like their type of riding. Yeah. You know, he still rides smooth, but there's just this difference to Mimo's, uh, like, like I said, very intentional. There's almost no correction hops unless it's like absolutely necessary. I think we all get in the habit of like, you know, you do a trick and then you just gotta adjust, so you just hop to adjust. And he just really, in every element of his riding, his flatland stuff, every run he did in the street comp, he's not hopping unless he absolutely has to. Yeah, yeah. I um I really like Clement's riding and his street run today was so sick. I think it was his second run was like fucking amazing. Just so cuz he did it was it a tray double off the 7 set? Yeah. It was just so clean and it just looks like a big fat hard trick. Yeah. And I love that. I I totally get your sentiment about his riding as well. Like I don't know if it's cuz he's French. Uh, and he's got that Cox One style for yeah. sure. Yeah, he's he he's not going to, but it looks like he's trying to destroy that unicycle. Yeah. But like in a cool way, in a cool way. Like he, you know, if if he throws the trick and the unicycle breaks, it's the unicycle's fault, not his, because yeah. he's got the he's got the skills to throw those big tricks. Yeah, yeah. Um, changing topic slightly, what what was the first unicycle event that you ever went to? Uh, the first unicycle event, I think I've told this story on my own podcast like a million times. 
Uh, sh- there will be more Phil Sanders Unicycle Podcast in the future, by the way. I uh, just had a lot of life. Tra- I was going to make a podcast episode about it, but I'm like, people don't want to hear about my problems, you know? <laughs> uh, I just, stuff unrelated to unicycling happened in a continuous stream from like the end of the pandemic until Unicon, including a computer dying and uh, moving and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. But uh, my first event was Moab, the Moab Mountain Unicycle Fest in 2006. And uh, it was me and another rider he used to ride in Spokane. Um, and he, he's like the one who convinced me to go. I literally bought my first Muni like a week before the event. Uh, I didn't, I'd never ridden Muni before, but I rode everywhere. I didn't take the bus, I didn't ride a bike. I rode my unicycle to, to school, I rode it to work, I rode a mile. If I wanted to go to a friend's house, I'd ride it miles and miles to my friend's house. So when I went to Mob, I was like actually in really good shape for it because I'd been riding a 20 inch everywhere and then I got a 24 with I had to have like had 160 like millimeter cranks or something like that on 24 typical American setup yeah 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 but you know I I, it fit my trial style and uh, we get there we set up our campsite and we meet like the people at the campsite above us and like hey we're going out to dinner uh, do you want to come to dinner with us? New people we've never met. Oh, we're writers from Canada, blah, blah, blah. We go to dinner at a Mexican restaurant in Moab, and we sit with them, and my very first experience, my very first day at my very first unicycle event, they all sit down, and Chris Holmes sits at the table with us. And I'm like, oh, my God. What the fuck is happening right now? Who are you people? They're like, oh, yeah, we're Chris's next-door neighbors. Like, he, he taught our kids how to unicycle and all this. I wish I could remember their names because they were so nice. We kept up for a long time after Moab, and then they eventually quit riding. But, yeah, just kind of like first day ever. You know, it's like meeting Tony Hawk, you know, when you go to meet your friends at the restaurant or something like that. But Tony Hawk's sitting at your table, and you're like, oh, my God. Uh, and he was so nice, so cool. And then uh, I rode the trail, and I, at that time, in 2006, I was, uh, I was not a bad rider. Uh, you know, I, we went there, and me and Cody Williams, I don't know if you remember Cody Williams, yeah. the uh, American rider, we, we were doing a lot of trial stuff, and we, at the time, were definitely jumping bigger gaps and trying gnarlier jumps than a lot of the riders who were at that particular Moab. Um, and very young Max Schultz, was there. Uh, you know, he told me later that when he saw me and Cody Williams jumping on rocks in that very first Moab, that's like when he wanted to do trials. And he came back literally the next year, 2007, and he was jumping up gigantic stuff already. I mean, like, flew past me in literally no time whatsoever. Um, but that first trip was like, I, I had rock climbed a lot when I was in school as well. So like, I was unicycling and I liked it because, you know, it was different, trying to be different. and. Uh, but I rock climbed a lot too, and rock climbing was like number one all the way. I rock climbed after school every day, and I rode my unicycle to the rock climbing gym. And then I was on this trail, it was the Porcupine Rim Trail, I'm sure you've heard of this. It's like yeah. 15 miles, 17 miles, somewhere in there. And I had never done anything even close to as long. We were riding the trail all day, it's hot, it's miserable, it's so hard. I've never done anything like the rocks and the sandstone there. And over the course of the ride, probably the last three or four miles, uh, a pack of about 10 of us very notably break away from everybody else. So we are way out ahead, and Chris Holmes like way out ahead of me as well. And then over the course of the next few you know miles, everyone kind of trickles apart. And there was this moment where I'm riding the Porcupine Room Trail, it's hard, I'm dropping rocks, and my legs are on fire, and I'm by myself. You know, I can't see anyone in front of me, I can't see anyone behind me. I suck in my straw, and I'm out of water. 
And I'm like, this is the fucking greatest experience I've ever had in my entire life. I felt so good, so powerful. I couldn't believe I was able to do it. And I was like, unicycling forever, like after this, like as soon as I get home. Later down the trail, uh, to finish off this magical moment of my first time uh, at a unicycle event, I like watch Chris home. He had a guy who like hiked up the backside to film him because the last like mile or two is like really gnarly on the Porcupine Rim, um, and that's where like some of the famous clips from it are because it's got all these crazy rock drops. I, I I see him and then he's like working a line. You know he's like coming back and doing it, and I'm just trying to like survive. You know the trail, and he rolls this rock. It's probably like a three maybe four foot drop, nothing crazy, uh, and he rolls off of it and falls and steps off. And I'm like too hot to stop. And I come up behind him and I roll it and I land it like right behind him. And I ride up and I'm like, oh my God, I just landed the thing that Chris Home fell on. And I like ride like 10 more feet and I turn back and trip and just absolutely eat shit afterwards. Slide, scrape my hands, scrape my elbows. And Chris Home like walks over, picks up my, my unicycle, gives it back and he sits down. He like gives me like a protein bar. And he's like, oh, that was pretty good. Like nice work on that. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for my unicycle. I might have complained that my cranks were bent already, and he's like, fucking typical unicycle. So he's complaining about shit. Go build your own goddamn unicycles, says Chris Helm. Very nice, very friendly, very fun. And then I rode out of there. Legs were bought. We, we rode for like more days after that, too, which is crazy. Um, and we jumped in the river, ate amazing food. And I don't know, Moab, if you ever get a chance to ride Muni in Moab, Utah, it's like literally one of the most beautiful places on earth. The sandstone is red and gorgeous. The water is cold and amazing. Uh, surprisingly good restaurants for a town that literally has one road and nothing else. Um, and I went back every year for 10 years straight um, at various levels of fitness. I probably was the most in shape that first time. Um, but uh, yeah, that's when I was like, okay, every event I can possibly go to, that's that's what I'm doing from now on. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I'm the first. I think the first unicycle event I went to was like the British Unicycle Convention. It was like the annual event, and like the first time I just saw. It was usually held in a school, and the first time I saw a school corridor filled with unicycles, just like dumped down. Everyone was watching a show or something, and they just piled up their unicycles in a corridor, and I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. There's like hundreds of unicycles. And I was like, yeah, this is for me. Yeah, just tons of people like, oh my God, they all know how to do it. Because that, that Moab, too, that I first went to, it, it was like, I'd never experienced anything like it because they had like 270 riders. And do you, you, when you have literally only ridden by yourself in your, like, in your local park forever, and then you go and you see like nearly 300 other people who are only here to do the same thing you're doing. Not only that for me, like, but you know, I'm actually like, feeling pretty good about my skills amongst the group as well it's like a life-changing experience yeah yeah and uh, the first unicorn i ever went to like at the end of it i i kind of thought like right i'm gonna go to every single unicorn now no matter what like i'm, I'm just gonna go i'm gonna get there somehow like no matter what i'm doing in life what job i'm doing if i'm working not what I'll, I'll find a way to get there and i'm going 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, same thing. My first UniCon was New Zealand in 2010. And, uh, you know, everyone, uh, this story is probably tired as well, but, like, you know, I didn't have a place to stay to post on the forums. And uh, I, can't, I can't remember what Chris's handle was on the forums. But I, I didn't. Danger Uni. Danger Uni. I didn't even know who I was talking to. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have a place to stay. Will someone, like, does someone have, like, you can sleep on our floor, uh, but you gotta pay, like, the same as everybody else. So, like, that's fine. I just need to not be homeless. And of course, I show up in New Zealand. They let me in, and it's, you know, Sam Thomas, Chris Hurawai, Dan Cowling, Joe Waddington, uh, Ke oh, Kevin from Australia. I can't remember his name. He had big long dreads. He was a Cox One writer as well. And uh, and I just met everyone. Met Adrian Delacroix for the first time. All those folks. And it was, again, like the, like my first event. It was like mind blowing to meet all these like well known, amazing writers, just by accident. Yeah. You know. Is, that's what unicycling is like, is you can just meet all your heroes and, you know, party really hard with them yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah, I think that's the really nice thing about unicycling is there's, there is some snobbery. I don't want to, like, bitch about anyone. There is some <laughs> snobbery, but on the whole, I would say, like, 99% of people, like, doesn't matter your skill level. Like, all the really amazing riders are more than happy to come and chat with anyone. And... Like it doesn't matter your skill level, everyone's equal. And in a lot of other sports that I've been involved with, it's not like that at all. There's a lot of snobbery and like, oh, I'm on the like top 10 of all the riders, so I'm not gonna talk to the people that don't even make podium. Like there's none of that in unicycling. Yeah, you know, I, th I think, I don't know if this, <laughs> this is talking shit about unicycling, but like, I think we all know that we're all gonna be riding me and he only someday. You know, <laughs> so, you know, some of us, we're trying to do tricks, we're trying to do freestyle, but. At the end of the day, we're all going to be old and, and just ride Muni. And I think everyone who comes to these events knows that, and, and, and it's fun. You know, everyone's just trying to enjoy this experience. Hang out with all these other weirdos who like this stupid thing that we like to do. And like, we're, no, we're, this, this is the elitist group who's like, we're not in the circus, okay? You know, that we don't want to be. There are circus riders here who are very good and very skilled. But, you know, I think a lot of us are like, no, no, no. We, we just enjoy riding unicycles. Yeah, totally. Um, again, I'm going to change the topic slightly here. Obviously, you're here. I don't know if Moe's traveled with you, but you're here and Moe's is here. Uh, Moe's Road Street, um, and he got into the street final. And he's kind of like your protege. Like, he's your, you're his Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> um, what was it like to see Moe's get into the street final? It's like crazy to watch Moe's ride because, like, you know, we started riding, I, I met him at the climbing gym, and uh, and everyone at the climbing gym sees me riding my unicycle, obviously. Uh, and I remember his literal first crank flip. Like, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe, maybe three years ago. Um, it, maybe it's four, but it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Um, and I went from his first crank flip with us riding together at the skate park to literally flipping a full-out flip down the seventh set and getting into the finals. And I, I, it's beyond me. I, I can't even comprehend it. But he is like, his passion is nuclear reactor fire. Like, he cannot, he is the burning hot mass of the sun for unicycling. And, you know, when he came here, and there he started riding with other people, and there was just that sliver of a chance that he could make it to the finals and ride, like, with Mimo Ciedroy. He was like, I'm going as hard as I can. Like, absolutely as hard as I can. And it really paid off. And, like, I can only be proud. He, his love for unicycling is, like, 
the absolute purest like source of anything on this earth. Um, and he just loves being here. Uh, he, he didn't travel with me this one. Uh, you know, his, he's with some of his family. I think they're like, yeah, because we went to nationals together. We went to a few mini events together. But I think he's like, yeah, you're traveling international to another continent. That sounds complicated. We'll, we'll just go. We'll just go with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing to watch him. He also had a very good flat run as well. Uh, when he did his flat prelims, obviously the flat was extremely competitive. Yeah. Uh, but he had, like, almost a flawless run oh, in, no his, in his flat as well. And he doesn't do rolls. He he's definitely likes to be a street rider through and through. Yeah, good. Um, but uh, I think... This, I think, you know, when, when you come to your Unicon and you compete and you see where you stand, that's when you get, like, the real taste for, like, more, you know? I mean, I think he, he saw at the street comp that he's like, oh, I can get, I can get to those higher numbers, no problem. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see what happens when we get home. I think he, he already has a few sets that he wants to throw some hard stuff on that he landed here. So, it should be fun. Nice. It's really good to see, like, the youth, the next generation coming up. And uh, obviously, like you say, the fire in, in the belly. Uh, and I see that with like all the Ride One kids, uh, all, the, oh, yeah, all the Ian's yeah. kids. Uh, like there's another generation coming up and they're gonna be amazing. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where they take, when they take unicycling. Yeah, there's that kid who I think uh, is like Mimo Seedler's like protege. And he was in like the junior street, but he was already doing some pretty wicked stuff as well, and it's obvious. It's clear that he's like still new, but he, I think he uh, he like glided down the ramp and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't even know if I can do that. Jeez, like, I mean, I could. If you give me a few tries, I could glide down the ramp, but I'm certainly not throwing it in a comp, you know, all wild. Uh, it's funny too. The kids like there, there was definitely a point where Mose would ask me like all this advice all the time, but now now that we're riding together, he's like. He's like trying to give me advice, you know. He's like, "Fell, you should, you should, you should get some shorter cranks." I'm like, "No, okay, I'm old. I need the stability. I'm gigantic, you know. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an old dog in this. Okay, I have to do it my old way. I can't. I'm not ready for the Mimo Seedler fresh way, you know. He literally, I think he rides like a hundred millimeter cranks in his street, and I, I do, I can't even comprehend it. It's beyond me." I ride 110s and I would not go any longer. Uh, they might be 110s. They might be 110s. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I think he does ride 110s, but yeah, man, short cranks are the way forward, but I guess if you do more technical tricks, I don't do flips or spins or anything. Um, so I guess it takes a bit more getting used to if you're doing stuff like that, but yeah, definitely I'd say for my style anyway and for like the Mimo style of riding, man, yeah, short I, cranks are a game changer. I mean, clearly he has no problem riding fast, throwing flip tricks, jumping huge gaps, and riding away from them, no problem. I mean, like, this stuff was big, but you remember, like, in the parade at Unicon, there's this, like, gazebo that has this massive gap ledge, and he full-out flipped it on literally his first try, and it was massive, yeah. absolutely massive. I like, you know, I see people watching me and I get scared to like throw a crank flip. You know, I don't want to look like an idiot and shin myself in front of a crowd of people. I think I've asked just about all the questions that I had kind of planned out. Normally, like, obviously I'm doing this in front of a computer. So normally I've got like a document, a Word document with a list of topics yeah, yeah. and questions that I want to ask. But this is off the cuff. So I think I've covered like everything uh, that I wanted to. What was your favorite part of Unicon, Ed? Um, Cause you went on some muni rides and stuff as well, right? Yeah, so I 
I competed in Muni this time for the first time. Well, actually, that's a lie. Uh, in Spain, I competed in downhill, but just downhill. And that was the first time I'd competed in Muni. But this time I entered like loads of Muni stuff. So I did like the cross country, I did downhill and I did uphill. Um, which at the time I, I was like hovering my mouse button like over the uphill box <laughs> when, I, when I registered. Uh, and I was like, should I do it? Should I not? And I thought, you know what? I can always take myself off it when I get there. And I didn't. And I really enjoyed the uphill. Um, but I think my favorite part of this Unicon uh, has actually been seeing everyone like you, uh, all the international riders that I haven't seen for like four years because it's been so long this it has time. It's been so long. I, I always forget. It feels like we're we're just back, you know, but it's really been like a crazy long time. Yeah, it's funny you say that because, yeah, it's been four years, but it kind of only feels like it has just been two years. Like career feels like it was only two years ago. Uh, it's, it's almost like we've lost two years somewhere. Um, but no, honestly, that's been my favorite part is just seeing everyone get back together, um, the ride, like seeing everyone riding, because obviously people have had four years worth of riding between the last Unicorn and now. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, it, it shows, um, especially during like lockdown and COVID, like a lot of people just rode, rode. And <laughs> <laughs> I would say, in, I, I was the most ready to ride in street in 2020. And then 2022, I just let it all go. I just let everything fall apart. You know, we rode the, I didn't even compete in street because they finished building the course and the, the Mimo Sealer was working it. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Penrod, he was riding it. And I was like, you know, I wanna do, I wanna ride with these guys. And we sessioned it until like midnight. And it was, we had a great session. I landed stuff in the park I did not expect I was gonna be able to do. And then I woke up in the morning for the street. Uh, my back was just, fucked up. I, I smashed myself in the knee 30 times trying to do a 720 spin and I'm like, no. I, I don't want to like go and not be able to do a crank flip off of the mani pad because I my back's so messed up from the night before. But I had like an amazing time riding with those guys and riding on the course. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think this Unicorn has all been about the sesh. Um, because like I don't know if you noticed it, I'd certainly noticed it as a director for jumps. Like, our competitor numbers were down. We had 120-something people signed up for jumps, and we literally had, like, less than 100 turn up to actually compete. But I think people this Unicorn have just been enjoying riding with other people outside of the competition. Uh, and, and I can only think that's because of that four-year gap and people just want to socialize again. Yeah, people want to see what other people are working on, how good everyone else is. And like, you know, it, it, I think the the convention part of this Unicon was very strong. Again, uh, the whole setup too, there's food, there's drinks, there's a big spot to ride. Even when it rained, there's a covered place to ride. And it was just fun to hang out and ride. You're like, yeah, you, maybe you go try a jump. And they're like, you know what, everyone's just hanging out and riding. I just want to do that. Uh, the, the SCFU ride was pretty fun as well, the yeah. street ride. Uh, did you go on that? I think you might have been. Yeah, yeah, I was there, yeah. Yeah, yeah did you see me destroy my wheel? No, I think I left just before that. <laughs> I, I double flip, everyone was trying to get the double flip done. This pretty tall four set. Uh, it, was, it was nice because it was not very long, so you didn't have to jump very far. But it was pretty, pretty high, and uh, a bunch of people were doing it and were not getting it, and I was feeling it really on that day, and I'm like, oh, I could, I could definitely double flip this. And I, went, I chucked it a couple times, and I felt good, and I jumped, flipped, double flipped, caught, landed, and destroyed 20 spokes on my wheel <laughs> in one 
go. And it was like, it was definitely going to be a, a land too. It was definitely going to be a right away. And then when you, do, you get a pedal and the tire's just stuck in the frame. 20, that's incredible. I don't think I've ever heard someone breaking 20 spokes. It didn't, it almost was like mean when I took the wheel apart afterwards and I pulled the spoke and the spoke. I'm like, 20, really? My body is breaking 20 of my spokes in one. It couldn't be like four or five. It couldn't be 10. No, it had to be more than half the wheel. Yeah. And the rim is still good. It's still good. Like I took it apart and it's got like a little bump in it, but it's uh, it's absolutely going to be able to go back together. Wow, what rim is that? That was uh, it was my solid undrilled Mad for One gold rim for my purple and gold unicycle. There you go. You heard it here first. Mad for One rims. I did. I did still buy a new one. Like I, I, I it was ama Marco was absolutely amazing here. He just built wheels for people constantly. He was literally selling. Obviously, he was making a, a sweet, sweet you know, grab selling unicycle parts here. But he just sat in that tent and laced wheels for people every single day, all day. And I'm sure he like saved a lot of people's life. He certainly saved mine. I just like, just I just want a new wheel. I want it to be ready in case I ride street. And he's like, no, you know, no problem. You know, it just like laced me a new wheel like right then and there. And he did it in like an hour. I set it and I brought it back and he trued it up for me. And uh, it, it made, it was a very stress-free Unicon, knowing that Marco's here to do, do maintenance. Well, it sounds like the party's hotting up. Um, should we get down there? I mean, we should get in there before it's over, yeah. for sure. It's been, it's been good being here. Yeah. Uh, being here with you at Unicon, doing a, an episode with you. Yeah, thanks for joining me. It's been really good. And I've loved doing this in person. It's been so good to be next to you having an actual real life conversation. Yeah, it feels more natural. You know, you're, you're not waiting for like the internet to fuck up and everything like that. You can just like look at the normal human social cues and be like, now it's your turn to talk. Like, no. Yeah. And it's going to be heaven not having to sync up everybody's <laughs> phone recordings in post. I can just check the audio levels are okay and post this. Yeah, if people want my audio quality to get better, uh, I'm just telling you right now, it's not going to. It's not going to. So enjoy, enjoy what I got because I am not an audio editor. Uh, I'm just amazing that anything comes out at all. Um, so yeah, before we go, uh, if people want to follow you, your socials, your podcasts, where do they go? Uh, my podcast is the unicast uh, there's a bunch of episodes from uh Ital italy no spain Sp it was definitely spain uh it was a lot of alcohol that one as well and then several other episodes later there'll be more uh videos and phone calls uh and episodes coming out in the future that's just the unicast it's on everything it's uh, the one that's not like the latin american university that's the other unicast um and then i'm phil on uni no spaces or nothing on everything perfect well, thank you, Phil. I'm going to give you a, well, a real life yeah, hug. Yeah. No yeah, one can see, see this. Those backpats, like, yeah. on the, the microphone. Um, yeah, let's go grab a yeah, beer. Yeah, let's go do it. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, Phil.